Hey everyone, this is Matt and welcome to a special Overflow Pod. We are looking at Easter today. I love Easter. It's like my second favorite time of the year after Christmas. And I think it's because it's always around my birthday. So growing up, it meant presents along with typical chocolate bunnies and all kinds of candies. And it also meant freedom for when I turned 16 with a license to drive to get away from my house. Easter represented for me a hope a hope for candy, a hope for freedom to get away from my parents, a hope for a new year as I got older. If you could sum up Easter in one word for me, and I think period, it's hope. See, before the first Easter Sunday on Friday, Jesus died on the cross and was buried in a tomb. And his disciples were scared. One betrayed him and killed himself. Another denied Jesus three times the very day he was taken away. And John watched Jesus dying on the cross while everybody else hid in fear of them being captured and killed. And for two nights, they were so scared. And then on Sunday morning, hope arrives. Let me read that. Matthew 28, verse 1 to 10. It says, after the Sabbath, that's Saturday, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. There's the story of Easter. It's a story about changing from endless fear and despair to hope. A hope that says death isn't the end. A hope that says God has a plan for your life. And a hope that says God is faithful to his promises. See, many Christians hate the fact that we talk about bunny rabbits, Easter egg hunts, and all that stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus around Easter. Because it's all based on spring and new life and really nothing about Christianity in general. Eggs, however, are closely related to Easter. I don't know if you knew that, but in the past, during the medieval age, churches would prohibit people from eating eggs around Easter time during Lent. And so during Lent, they had to fast from eggs. However, when Lent ended, you, you could eat whatever that you couldn't eat during Lent, and eggs were a huge part of that. However, Easter egg hunts originated in Germany. The Germans even brought it to America in the 1700s in Pennsylvania. And it took on here as well and spread to what you see today. But many Christians don't like Easter egg hunts or have anything to do with it. But for me, I love it. I love taking traditions and teaching the Bible with them and making it our own. Christians have been doing this for years with Christmas. We adopt all kinds of stuff that didn't originate with Christianity, like the Christmas tree. It has nothing to do with Jesus' birth. 
The use of evergreen trees, wreaths, and garlands to symbolize eternal life was a custom of the ancient Egyptians and Chinese. Tree worship was common among the pagan Europeans. But once again, the Germans appropriated it for Christian use. And I don't have a problem with not doing that to Easter. So let's do the same at Easter that we do with Christmas. Easter egg hunts have one thing in common with Easter, and that's hope. See, when my kids did their first Easter egg hunt, they didn't know what was going on. But when it was over, we told them to open the eggs and bam, there was chocolate and candy inside. It made them very happy. The next year, they couldn't wait for the hunt. Every year, they would ask for more and more eggs to hunt and couldn't wait to open them for the chocolate and candy inside. And when they saw the eggs, they saw hope. Hope for delicious, decadent, delicious chocolate and candy, which we, the parents, didn't usually buy for them. See, our world needs this. Our world is in desperate need of hope. And I think that having Easter egg hunt is a great way to teach kids about hope and Jesus. I even saw a really cool recipe that I got to share. Total tangent here. It's called empty tomb rolls. It involves marshmallows, crescent roll dough, cinnamon and sugar, and melted butter. And you make them with your kids. It's delicious. It's easy. You take a marshmallow. It represents Jesus. The dough is the wrappings of Jesus' body. Or you could say it's the tomb. You can pick. If you choose wrappings, then the oven's the tomb. The cinnamon and sugar are the spices that are used to anoint the body. The butter is the oil of embalming. Yeah, I know. It's amazingly detailed for a sweet treat. But anyway, so you take the marshmallow and you coat it with the stuff. And then you wrap it in the crescent dough and you throw it in the oven and boom. After it cooks, the marshmallow naturally melts, so it disappears. It melts into pure sugar, and it coats the dough and makes it delicious. And so when you cut open the dough, it's empty, like the tomb is empty. So Google empty tomb rolls for a complete recipe if you want to try it. It's really simple. Anyway, tangent over. It's not that much of a tangent, but I think it's a great way to use other traditions to share the hope of Easter, like the hope of opening a candy and knowing what's inside. Like, that's what the disciples experienced when they opened the tomb for the first time and there was nobody there. See, we need hope badly. We need hope in three ways. First, we need to know that this isn't it. It's not all there is. We need to know that God loves us enough to send his son to die for us on the cross as our substitute, to pay the price for our sins, to give us hope and eternal life. We need to know that death isn't the end. And we can enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We need to know that all we need to do is ask and our faults, failures, and sins are completely gone. Even the ones we have yet to do, yet to commit. And Easter gives us this hope that when I die, like Jesus, God will bring us into his presence and usher us into eternity. And this world, dramatically changed by COVID, we are all bombarded with fear narrative by the media where we need to constantly be afraid of the unknown. We are not meant to live this way. Perfect love casts out fear because if we hold Easter in our hearts, we know that God loves us and this is not all there is. So there is nothing that we need to be afraid of. We are not controlled by a virus. We can either be controlled by our fear or we can trust in God. And that's the first way we need Easter in our lives because we have to have hope every day. You can't live without hope. If you do, you'll just want to escape. You got to have hope. Second, we need hope in the fact that God has a plan for us. We're not just a mistake. We're not just an accident. We're here with a purpose. Just like he had a plan for Jesus. He didn't just die for no reason. We don't understand what happens in our lives and no one around 
Jesus knew what was going on with him. Even though Jesus told him that what would happen. We look at the world around us and it seems out of control as the, as the inflation rate. We see the look of insanity of the recent Russian invasion of Ukraine where people worry that we have another crazy dictator on our hands in Putin. Eastern Europeans fear what country is next on Russian's agenda. You see terrible videos and tragic pictures of countless meaningless deaths of men, women, children, and even their pets. I saw pictures of a family's back where they wrote all the information about themselves in permanent marker on their body, so if they were killed, they would at least be found and buried. And their family members, if they escaped, would be told. That's bleak. The world seems out of control. You watch the evening news or wherever you get your news sources from and you start to wonder, is there any hope in this world? That's the second reason we need Easter in our day to day is because God has a plan for us and we may not understand it. And all we may see is darkness and we may be in a rough time like the disciples were on that Friday night, on that Saturday night when Jesus died and they're living in fear. Like, is this going to happen to them? Is there no hope? Have we just followed this guy for three years and nothing? What's going on? But we need to have hope that Sunday is coming. Because we can't live without it. You know, God created us with a plan. He, Jesus was like he came to us with a plan and his plan was to die and he even said it over and over again. But they didn't get it. They didn't hear it. And even if we knew what God's plan was for us, we probably wouldn't understand it. We probably wouldn't believe it. And we probably wouldn't follow it because that's just who we are. We're just like the disciples. So don't hold them too too harshly when you look at them hiding and, and afraid and betraying. We would do the same thing. But Sunday is coming. And so there's hope. The third reason Easter gives us hope is that God is faithful to his promises. He was faithful to raise Jesus from the dead so we can count on all his other promises in the Bible because our day-to-day lives are really tough. This past week, man, was really tough for me. In fact, the next six years are going to be tough because I have three kids all going through the terrible, terrible, did I say terrible yet? Teenage years at the same time. You know, if God showed me how hard the teenage years were as a parent, First, I don't think I'd ever have the slightest desire to have kids. I, I, I don't. But it starts, you know, it start, children start awesome. They're adorable babies and they're cute and they slowly learn about life and look at you and giggle like you're the greatest thing since ever. Even better than sliced bread. <laughs> and they grow and you teach them and your love grows and grows and grows because it has to grow. Your love has to be so much more than when they're infant because when... They grow up to a, to teenagers. You need all that love. You have wonderful times and you celebrate them, all their milestones from sleeping through the night to getting out of diapers to being able to run, to riding their bicycles, to all kinds of stuff. And you have wonderful times and they learn fast and you're so important to them as their parent. But then before you know it, they become demon spawn. I mean, teenagers little Freudian slip there. As I was saying, this past week was rough for Jeanette and I. And I remember one night going to bed thinking, where did my beautiful, wonderful, loving child go? Is this a case of possession? How can I deal with this for years to come? I'm by no means a perfect parent, but how am I supposed to be able to 
be a good dad and have the patience, wisdom, and love needed to raise three kids. No, it's just growing up, and it's really hard. But this is where hope comes in. I'm going to hope that they will grow out of this, that one day I'll get my sweet children back. I mean, I did. I was a terrible kid. Not too crazy, but my crazy times were when I had zero parental involvement. So I had no idea what my parents would think of me because they didn't have to go through this. They got off scot-free because they weren't around. See, my parents, they got divorced when I was 15. And one was kicked out of the house while the other shacked up with a guy in a different state. And so I basically lived for myself from 15 to 18. And during those three years, somehow I miraculously graduated high school. And I say that because my senior year, I missed over 100 days of school. My life was a mess. And for years to come, but eventually I figured it out. And actually somehow later in life became a pastor. Gasp. (laughs) I can only look at my own life and then look at my kids and have hope. Hope that what the Bible says is true. Hope that God keeps his promises. But I have Easter to remember that God is faithful. The greatest verse for parents who have teenagers is Proverbs 22, 6. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So when Jeanette and I go through a week like this past one, I can only turn to God's word and trust in his promises in the Bible. See, Easter is an event that inspires hope. But if God cares that much about me personally, then he cares about every part of me. That's the hope given to us by Easter. And any tradition that can teach hope, whether it's silly crescent rolls with the despairing marshmallow or an Easter egg hunt with fluffy bunnies, I am all for it. Because we need hope. We need to teach hope. We need to share hope. Because this world is in desperate need of it. So this Easter, as you celebrate you with your family, remember the hope that Easter brings. Easter is a story about changing from endless fear and despair to hope. A hope that says death isn't the end. A hope that says God has a plan for your life. And a hope that says God is faithful to his promises. That's the beauty of Easter. That's what we can rely on. We can call out to God and say thank you for Easter. Because life couldn't be lived without it. We need that hope to make it. So wherever you are, whatever, however rough your life is right now, just realize that Easter brings hope. You know what? God does have a plan for your life. It's not just running around in a circle. You're not just some, oh, evolved organism from goo where you have no point. But you were created by God for a purpose. And he sent us on Jesus to reunite with us, to get rid of all the sin that separates us from his love and to give us a home forever with him in eternity. And all you have to do is ask. So if you haven't asked, do that and start that relationship. And if you already are a Christian, celebrate that hope, celebrate it and thank him over this weekend because to be honest, this is the greatest time of the second greatest time of the year. First time for me is Christmas. This is the second. And so celebrate it. So happy Easter. And I will see you in the next pod.